episode 13 of the Canadian Country Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we have a pretty fun show this week. We actually had two fun shows this week, but some IO issues and some miscellaneous mishaps in the in the episode that we recorded on Monday night, Monday, uh, October 23rd. So we're recording it again, an emergency reshoot on Wednesday, October 25th. But that gives us the opportunity to talk about a fantastic Carolina Hurricanes game last night. My name is Brett Finger, and I'm joined by Justin Lape and Kyle. M- well, oh, oh, Kyle, you there? Kyle? Kyle couldn't make it to the emergency reshooting of this episode, unfortunately. Yes, obviously he's shown that he is not dedicated to this pod. It means nothing to him. Well, you know, at least we finally see his true colors. But no, in uh, in all seriousness, <laughs> he will be back next week. Mm-hmm. This is definitely an emergency reshooting here. No, we miss his hot takes, and, and we also appreciate his valued opinions. He's He's great, but yeah, we'll see him next week. We will see him next week. You know, one thing I'm going to miss from him this week is uh, him telling me that I'm wrong all the time every two seconds. If See, in the mystery episode, which is, you know, maybe one day we'll release it once we're, you know, really famous because of this podcast. And we will put that episode out there and you can hear uh, Kyle was not very happy with my opinions. No, no, he, he proved you wrong a few times. <laughs> he, he, I don't know. I'll tell, I'll tell you what, he always pulls up the stats. He does pull he, up the stats. We, we, lo- we love Kyle for his stats. Honestly, most of the time, I just make general statements and you guys actually back it up with facts. But, That's because you're you know. a smart hockey person, Justin. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm an I'm a, I'm a armchair GM. You so. are an armchair GM. You know, that we, there were a lot of uh, armchair GMs last night as the Carolina Hurricanes fell to the Tampa Bay Lightning. But before we get there, since we last recorded this podcast, well, since we last posted this podcast, the Hurricanes finished up their Western Conference road trip. Um, with a 2-1 to win in Calgary, their best game of the year. Looked really, really good playing the system, and they were rewarded for it. Scott Darling had a great game. Then they went to Dallas, and it wasn't their best game of the year. Uh, as a matter of fact, the first two periods were probably their worst two periods of the year. They ended up losing 4-3 after a valiant comeback, inspiring third period. It wasn't. But, Justin, what are your thoughts on the... Two games to cap off the road trip and the whole four games combined in which they went to 2-0. Well, I think, uh, you know, getting that win in Calgary was big. Um, it, it was a very tight game. Um, you got some good contribution from Jeff Skinner, and you'd also see that in the Dallas game. Um, but the Dallas game, it just started um, with bad starts. And I think that's something that the team has to work on moving forward, and we'll also talk about how they started in Tampa, against Tampa. They started from behind, and they started to work their way back up. So you can see that this team does have fight and tenacity in it, you know, to use the hashtag narratives. But I, I love narratives. Oh, yeah. Great, they're great stuff. But, no, Jeff Skinner is obviously a standout player for me. He had uh, three goals over those two games. But overall, a 2-2 two and two road trip, you know, it felt good. It felt good because I think it's important to get a good start to the season. Um, you know, that's something that's kind of been plaguing the Canes in the past. Uh, where they haven't had the greatest starts, especially when it comes to that state fair road trip. Um, so it, it it was nice for them to get two wins out of those four games. For sure. And my quick whistles piece on Monday, it's a weekly piece on canescountry.com. Go read it if you haven't. I talked about how two and two on this road trip um, is really promising, despite how they ended it, which was terrible. 
Uh, there's no sugarcoating it. But to, to go two and two and split that road trip is huge. Going specifically to the Calgary game, I mentioned that I thought that was their best game of the year. And systematically, it was. They kind of, well, not kind of, they definitely just outplayed Calgary really from start to finish. Uh, their one goal was an odd carom around the boards, and Monaghan, I believe, just kind of turned around, slapped it, and it got past Scott Darling. So that goal is what it is. But outside of that, the Calgary game was very, very good. Uh, Skinner was a big part of both goals, scoring one and setting up Justin Williams for the other. Um, the loss in Dallas, though, was uh, was tough because it was coming straight off of that big win in Calgary. Then they go to Dallas, and, I mean, they, they really laid an egg in the first two periods. The, the effort wasn't there. It, it looked like Dallas was clearly more driven to win that game. And quite honestly, the Dallas Stars are a team that the Carolina Hurricanes should be able to beat. They just they couldn't. Uh, a late rally from Skinner was the only reason why that was a salvageable 4-3 loss instead of a 4 nothing or maybe even more than that for Dallas in the win category. The way they battled back in Dallas was promising, uh, although you can also say that score effects were kind of involved there as they went up 4 nothing, kind of stepped off the gas a little bit and let Carolina get their way back into it. Road trip as a whole, again, 2-2-0 is something to be pretty proud of, especially given how often October road trips have killed the Hurricanes in years past. Um, they still find themselves, or at the end of the road trip, they found themselves at a 3-2-1 record, which I think is a win overall for this team. And when they came back to Carolina... To play the Lightning last night, Tuesday night, two nights ago, if you're listening to this, on the day it comes out, Thursday, they they backed up their Dallas performance with a what, Justin? A big goose egg. Uh, I don't even think they deserved a, a, a goal in that game. It was a 5-1 loss, um, for those of you who didn't catch the game, and that moved them to 3-3-1 and on the season. Um, you know, it, it was not what they wanted for their quote-unquote homecoming. After a 2-2 two and two road trip on one that they have historically been bad on, to come home and, and give that effort was terrible. And this is a game, in my opinion, I don't think Scott Darling deserved that loss. Um, he played very well, gave up two goals at the beginning, but then there was two empty netters, so it, it looked the, the score looked worse, and then they scored one on Darling with like four seconds to go. The team was already packing it up by then. So... I don't think he deserves that loss, and I don't think it's fair to point the finger in his direction for that loss either. So basically, the first period, they were gifted two power plays, and they couldn't capitalize on them. And then then they it kind of goes the other way. Justin Williams gets called for a penalty, and then Tyler Johnson scores. So it kind of you know deflated them going into uh, the first intermission. And then at the beginning of the second period, they st- they they get a power play right off the bat. Victor Hedman comes off. It's their best defenseman. Um, and they, again, they couldn't capitalize on special teams. And I think that's something that Bill Peters and the coaching staff really need to work on to get them rolling because a power play that can't capitalize that many times is very frustrating. And I think that's ultimately what lost in the game. But, you know, it was great to see Jacob Slavin get on the board. His development has continuously impressed <clears throat> everybody on our writing staff. Uh, I, I think that's fair to say. I'm very disappointed by Jacob Slavin. Uh, well, you know, you're not on the writing staff anymore. I'm sorry to inform you. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was not the type of effort 
you should bring coming home, especially one where you're already getting, um, you know, crap for stuff about attendance and things like that. You don't, you don't want to show that for your home fans. So it honestly, you know, the next two home games that are coming up this week, they, they got to put together a better effort. You hit the nail on the head on one of those points there at the end. This is not the performance that you give to your home fans after being gone for so long, especially given the attendance problems um, that have been very well documented. Look, this is really a result of a bunch of turning points in this game that Carolina should have taken advantage of. A power play in the late in the first, they don't capitalize, and then Justin Williams had a terrible turnover, which led to him going to the box at the end of the period, and Tyler Johnson scores a goal that Scott Darling would want back. That's really the only goal that you can blame him for the entire night. But what's worse about that goal is it comes with 35 seconds left in the first. And before then, Carolina had been playing well. That first period was great. Slavin and Pesci were doing a great job on Samkos and Kucherov, which overall I thought they did throughout the night. You know, just to see, that that's a turning point. Tampa kills off the penalty, gets a power play of their own scores. Going into the second, you could tell that Tampa Bay was starting to pick it up. Canes get another power play pretty early in the period. Another chance to capitalize. They don't. And then Tampa scores about halfway through the second. And at that point, if you're down 2 nothing against Tampa, good luck. I mean, good luck trying to get back into that one because they have Vasilevsky in net who has proven many times before that he can step up to a challenge and he can make some big saves. And he did. Slavin scoring in the third was kind of an of course moment because it was either going to be Skinner or Slavin who were going to score that goal because clearly no one else on this team was doing anything to produce offense and Slavin and Skinner have proven in the past that they can show up when they need to show up so Slavin scores that goal early in the third so that's a promising goal that's that they needed a goal early in that period and from there on, they could not get a puck into the net past uh, Vasilevsky. Two empty net goals, like you said, inflates the the stats for Tampa a little bit. Nemestikov score on the empty net. After Carolina pulled Darling with three minutes left, they pulled the goalie again because, of course, you have to at that point. Callahan scores. They throw Darling back in for the rest of the game. And Justin, I mean, Nikita Kucherov went... 59 minutes and 56 seconds without scoring a goal. He had scored a goal in each of Tampa's first nine games, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, he scores with four seconds left. So that's just the absolute... Carolina Hurricanes luck. Kucherov didn't even have a point all game. Yep. yep. He scores no. with yeah. four seconds left. It's just, it's just, that's just the typical, like, what the F moment at the end of a game where it's like all right just just end it end the game end it well yeah i think they matched up well against that top line um they did a good job of shutting him down but yeah kucherov gets that goal late so and stamkos with the assist so he also his streak continues you know there were some things that they did right but again offensively no one's showing up uh the, the defense and darling i think did as much as they could against a very, very good Tampa Bay Lightning team. And again, the score is inflated for two empty net goals. But ultimately, yeah, it, it's not the effort you want. For sure. And Tampa blocked 22 shots. 
on on net from the Hurricanes, and they showed a graphic of Elias Lindholm, who, at I believe at some point in the third, had eight shot attempts, two of them were on net, four were missed, two were blocked. So, geez, it just seems like time and time again, these these guys, these Hurricanes scores, well, we hope that they'll be scores, they get the chances and they don't capitalize. And really, this can't go on much longer here. I understand it's early. I understand that they're three, three and one as we talk right now. But yikes! I'm really thankful we didn't post yesterday or Monday's podcast because uh, yeah, I had a different uh, yep. idea of how this one would go. Yeah, you 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 both did. Um, I called this loss. I didn't think that it was going to be a blowout. I just I just didn't think it was going to be it. Um, it really wasn't a blowout. Again, the, the the two empty netters and the garbage goal late, it makes it mm-hmm. look a lot worse than it was. Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, but overall, if you were watching the game, you could just see the apathy of the players. It just didn't seem like anybody was just there. It seemed like it was just their skeletons, really. It was this little Halloween reference there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they were doing the monster match in the middle yes, of the second period. Yes, I had no su- idea what the hell was going on. All of a sudden, on. Jeff Skinner led in an ensemble of Thriller, and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I was like, score, guys, what are you doing? So, no, it, yeah, again, I think we should just forget about the game. Hopefully they do as well, uh, because there's three big games coming up this week. Absolutely, there are. Starting with Thursday night. Um, again, if you're listening to this podcast, listening to this podcast, if I could enunciate my words here, starts tonight in Toronto in the in the TO, uh, the six six the six. I guess the Toronto Maple Leafs followed by Drake. <laughs> Drake's performing during the second intermission. Be there. Beebs is doing um, um, the musical chairs things that the Canes do. Oh. Yeah, he's. he's doing... Oh, I like those. Except he's singing it, and then he's going to stop and like try to sit on a chair. Oh, that's such a good idea. That is that's a good such idea. A good promotional idea. Exactly. What are you doing, Maple Leafs? Come on. Yeah. Especially if you're going to be a Stanley Cup team, you got to have Stanley Cup performances. Exactly. And <laughs> they come. The Hurricanes come home on Friday to play the Blues. Not very easy again. And then they'll stay home and take on the Anaheim Ducks, who apparently seem to be turning things around as they get players back from injury on Sunday. That's when they play the Ducks. Let's start by previewing this Toronto game. Justin, what are you expecting out of this game in American Airlines Arena? No, 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 no. The uh, the ACC, the Air Canada Center. Obviously, it's the ACC, not American Air. Justin, give me a preview. Actually, I'm going to have to take this phone call real quick. God. I'm so sorry. It's going to be like 10 <laughs> seconds. It's going to be like 10 seconds long. But yes, I will give you a preview of the Toronto Let's game afterwards. Let's listen to Justin's phone call. <laughs> I'm muting my mic. Damn it. <laughs> We're going to take this time to bring to you the sponsor of today's episode. Um, there's a tattoo, a little waterproof design. Uh, dinosaur tattoo booklet on my desk. Don't ask me why. This episode's brought to you by Dover Publications, Inc. in Mineola, New York. They make the best waterproof dinosaur tattoos um, in the world. They're safe. Waterproof designs. Uh, You can see a... I'm not good with dinosaurs, but this one looks like a rhino. That one is a pterodactyl. That one's a T-Rex. It has very short arms. It's very true to life. I don't know what that one is. 
That one looks like a fish dinosaur. It'll swim around. But it will not disappear due to water. There's another T-Rex. I don't know what that one is, but it has a very long tail. And it looks like a T-Rex, but it has longer arms. They all look very realistic. They have a guide on how to use them. It's a six-step uh, guide to how to put them on. And they have the ingredients of the tattoos right on there. Low calories. No calories with this tattoo set. It's, a, it's listed at $1.50 in United States monies. Um, thank you to our sponsor of today's episode. Dover Publications. Okay. I'm going to read the description on the back. The description goes as follows. Show everything, show everyone how you feel about dinosaurs with these vivid and dramatic tattoos. The full color, realistic images portray... Ten toothy creatures flying, swimming, and charging on two legs. And four species include Triceratops, Iguandons, uh, Triceraptors. I'm messing up this, this description. Just believe me while Justin's gone. Um, these tattoos are the real deal. And they're not actually the sponsor of tonight's Kane's Country podcast. Um, thank you. And I'm back. Um, sorry about that. Oh, hi. Um, I, I heard you give that lovely um, sponsor of ours. Uh-huh. Um, Dover, Dover, if you actually do want to pay for this podcast, we, we would love love to talk to you. I can give you my contact information. Uh, I'm sure you can just leave it in the comments uh, comments below because you're you know a big fan of this pod. Just leave in the so. comments. We'll get to it. Might oh, take yeah. a few we'll weeks for very busy yeah. people, but yeah, and it, it you know we can't read every comment we get, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, back to Toronto. <laughs> so they hit the road. They will play on Thursday, depending on where you hear the, when you hear this pod or where you hear this pod. Maybe you're in Toronto. Maybe you're going to go to the game. Who knows? But no, it it should be an interesting game. I see it as possibly another loss because I'm pessimistic. No, I'm joking. I'm not pessimistic. I think I'm realistic. Um, and Toronto comes in with one of the best records in the NHL and in the Eastern Conference and, again, full of talented young offensive players. Now, we're kind of their uh, – how do you put it? How do you put, like, the exact opposite? What's a good word for that? Polar opposites? Yeah, polar opposite more or less because we built uh-huh. from the back end. And and that's where we pride our game on with our young. And look how that's working out for us. Yeah, and we can't <laughs> score. But we can prevent people from scoring. Sometimes. Um, no, but it should be an interesting matchup. It would be cool for Canadian media to see how good Jacob Slavin and some of these younger players have developed into, uh, because you know I, I think we're kind of the oft forgotten team. But yeah, it, it's going to be a tough game because they have a lot of offensive power. Um, they spread out their lines evenly too. Um, right now, Mitch Marner is actually on the fourth line. Uh, with Matt Martin so it that that you know they really can bring a sense of offense to every single line they roll but they also do have weaknesses and that is their back end I don't think it's the strongest in the game they pry their game on offense and that's going to be a big test for the Canes yep these two teams have definitely built up 
their their teams in different ways. The Toronto Maple Leafs are going to score probably on Thursday night. But yeah, you know, they they're they're a dangerous team who top to bottom can make you pay. Uh Austin Matthews has 12 points in 9 games. Kadri and Van Riemsdyk and Nylander are all point per game players like like uh, Justin said Mitch Marner has been playing on the fourth line after a slow start but against LA Toronto won and Marner had two assists he should have had a goal that was waved off for some unknown reason uh quote-unquote goalie interference let's go with that and uh yeah he's been playing down there with Matt Martin uh we'll see if that changes at all yeah this is gonna be a tough one uh, I really don't know what to say in regards to are they going to win or not, the Hurricanes, that is, because I thought that they were going to win against Tampa, and they didn't at all. So, you know what? I was wrong once, so I might as well be wrong again. I'm going to say they come back and they, they beat the Maple Leafs, a team that has not been perfect against Carolina in recent memory. I'm going to go with a win against the, the Maple Leafs, and if they start Cam Ward... I don't know how happy how happy I'd be about that, quite honestly. Um, from what I saw, uh, Michael Smith, one of the the Canes guys, and this is a reason why I think they'll lose. They are rolling with the exact same lines. No, no, you're are you, you're kidding, right? No, they are. Look at look into it. They are going to roll with the exact same lines as uh as as the uh, Tampa Bay game. Um, but I think the only way that we will win. Is if Curtis McElhinney's in net, and that's I know that's kind of crazy, but I feel like some teams, especially good teams, underestimate us, and then they play their backup, and then we beat them. Yeah. So I I don't know. I I think it can go, it could go either way for sure. But I, I'm leaning towards a loss. It's especially with rolling those same lines as as the Tampa game, which obviously didn't work. But that's that's uh, more for another story. God, you're right. Yep. They're not even playing Quokin. Yep, they aren't they woken aren't. in. Well, oh no! Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, get, this is a live here. reaction, people. This, this is, is no. This stage. is not. A, this is not. A, <laughs> this is not a joke. I mean, who knows? You may you may see maybe a mix mix up in the the you know no. the morning skate, but I doubt it. I doubt, no. It. doubt it. No. Why Why would you expect that at this point? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's something the coaching staff have to take a look at because, yeah, obviously it didn't work. Well. What is your prediction for the next three games? Because they play at Toronto Thursday with the same lineup as the last two losses. <clears throat> uh, then they'll come home on Friday to host St. Louis, and they'll have the same lines as the past three losses at that point. And then they'll play <laughs> Anaheim on Sunday afternoon, and they will have the same lines as the past four <laughs> losses. So what's the record going to be in those three games against three very good teams? Um, I'm going to go with, uh, one and two. I'm going to go with one and two, one, two and oh, um, originally on the first podcast we recorded this week, I went with one, two and one cause I thought we'd get an overtime loss, but now I'm being a little bit more realistic. If they don't change the lines, it's going to be hard to compete against two very dangerous Western conference teams and then Toronto. Yeah, I'll take the win over the ducks, but I, I don't, I don't see a positive record coming out of the next three games. Man, I don't know. Three and zero. Why not? They're gonna go three and zero. They're gonna win all three. They're gonna score five a game. Offense gets turned around. Victor Rask makes an appearance for the first time in nine months. 
Wait, 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 wait. If they're going to score five goals a game, uh-huh. how are they going to have that much power play time? Because they're obviously not going to score even strength. Well, they're going to get three power plays against Toronto, four against St. Louis, and two against Anaheim. Uh, let's see, that's nine power plays total. Yep. They're going to score on five of them. They're going to score five power play goals. <laughs> you, the boldest prediction of the weekend, five power play goals in three games. And they're going to win them. They're going to win all three. If they, if they do that, I'm putting money on the Canes in Vegas. Speaking of Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights are now, as of the recording of this podcast, 7-1. and one. As expected by me and by no one else. As expected by Brett. And they did it with a third-string goaltender. Yep. Yes, uh, Malcolm Subban also went down with injury. Now Oscar Dansk. 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 I'm going to call him Danks because he's dank <laughs> I, I, at being I, I, a goalie. That's good. Um, no, <laughs> no, yeah, that, that was totally expected. We're going to go ahead and talk about this subject since Kyle isn't here because he does not like the Vegas Golden Knights. I also <laughs> doubted against them too, but Brett thinks they're out of a Disney movie and are going to make the playoffs. I don't um, think they're out of a Disney movie. I think they're going to be created into a Disney movie. <laughs> what, what are they going to name it? Uh, uh, Knights on Ice. Nights on Ice. I'm going to go with Valiant Vegas. Uh, I like mine do you, better. Do you know what Valiant means? I used that word earlier. Oh, wow. In the podcast. Shows you how much I'm listening. <laughs> um, no, but actually, we'll talk. We'll transition a little bit here uh, and talk about the checkers. Some positives in the Carolina Hur- Hurricanes organization. I don't know what the meaning of positive is anymore. Yeah, no. This this fan base is built on pessimism. <laughs> the, the checkers are now 5-2-0 and oh, um, as of the recording of this podcast. They have a matchup this weekend with the Utica Comets, a homestand. So I'll actually get to see those games, and uh, I'll, I'll come back with some information for episode 14. But as expected, Lucas Walmark is doing fantastic down in Charlotte. Um, he is tied for first among the lead uh, in, in points. So he, he's really producing. Uh, the thing about him is I, I think don't think many people get. He's, he's, he's a very good playmaker. Um, he's not really that guy that's going to score either at the AHL or NHL level, you know, 30 goals. Um, he, he makes the, the players around him better. Um, in, in the last home game, he had three assists and he, uh, he was a factor on all three goals. Um, so, you, you know, he, he's really developing well. Uh, you know, hopefully the checkers can keep it rolling. If the Hurricanes can't put any offense together in Toronto against a team that isn't great at keeping the puck out of the net, I mean, they let up six to the, to the Senators. So you can, you can beat them or at least score on them. Yeah, I mean, if, if Carolina continues to struggle and they come back home and play st louis i wouldn't be mad if they just went ahead and made and did the thing they brought up walmart and zikov and uh nick shilke and you know all the (laughs) star-studded charlotte checkers players no in all seriousness um what they're doing right now is really impressive like you said walmart is tied for first in the entire ahl in point production and he's tied with timu polkanen who is a good ahl scorer and he's 25, and he's done a lot of good things in that league. 5-2-0, and that's a great start. I believe they're second in the Atlantic. Lucas Walmark, I would love to see him up in the, in the NHL sooner rather than later, based on not only how he's played this year, but also his great rookie year. He set the Checkers rookie record in goal scoring with 24. And then he came back 
to training camp this year, and he almost made the Canes out of training camp his rookie year. He was one of the final cuts. He came into training camp this year, again almost made the team. I thought he should have made the team. He's played extremely well, played well in training camp, and he started this year on an absolute tear. And his two-way game is a great asset as well. Uh, When he came up and played with Carolina last year, he played in that bottom six role when Jay McClemmick got injured, and he he played well. Beyond him, Valentin Zykov has five goals in seven games, and we saw last year in a very short amount of time that he can be pretty good too. Warren Fogle, another guy who has kind of stuck around longer in training camp in the past few years than we would have expected. He has five goals in seven games. Uh, He had four in the first two. He's kind of mellowed out, it would appear, since then. Also, kind of unrelated to the Hurricanes at the time being, just because this guy isn't going to be up for the foreseeable future, Alex Nedeljkovic. He he had a terrible rookie year. Justin, I don't know what exactly you've seen from him, but it would appear to me, based on his individual games, he's had some really good ones. What's your analysis of, of Nedeljkovic so far this year? Um, He's definitely making strides. He's 4-0 right now. The Checkers organization said that it will look like Vellucci will alternate both Smith and Adelkovic through the first maybe two months because there's a lot of gaps um, in games. So, And they're going to kind of see who's going to serve as the number one goalie. Um, and right now I give the edge to Adelkovic. His save percentage isn't what you would like it to be, um, but he's getting the wins. And he's he's definitely making big stops. I think one game that really stands out to me was against Bridgeport um, at home. And he he just made some saves late that that really counted. So I, I think that he is making strides in his game. It's not where it needs to be yet. Um, but he may look to be the number one goalie in Charlotte for a while. Okay, we have big news here. Um, last time we recorded this podcast, the ECHL had no player stats available for whatever reason. But guess what? They have them now. Yep, they do now. <laughs> Play the music. All right. This is ECHL stats updates. Callum Booth, 2-0. One goals against average. 964 save percentage. Happy for him. Happy for him. I honestly, it was, it was bad because in the checkers preview, I actually gave him the edge oh, over no. Nadelkovic. I knew Smith was obviously going to stay because that was the purpose he was brought in for. Mm. But I actually did give the the uh, edge to Booth, <laughs> and that didn't work out so well. I was wrong. I'm actually really excited about Callum Booth. He, he had an amazing final year in the queue uh, on a St. John team that had a lot of Canes prospects. By a lot, I mean... Julian Gauthier, who got sent there at the trade deadline in the Quebec League, and Spencer Smallman, who I believe is also down there in uh, in Florida right now, if I can find him. Spencer Smallman. Spencer. Yeah, he did. He did get called up, I remember. Um, but if, if I'm correct, and he didn't get any game time, he just kind of served in practice. I don't know if he was battling through an injury. I don't want to quote unquote report that. Um, you hear it here first. He, he has not played in any games in Charlotte. Okay, well, it would appear as if he hasn't played in any games in the E so far this year. So, And that was, and that was your ECHL update. All right, there you go. Not only do we have great sponsors, shout out again to... 
some type of publishing company. I forgot them already. Dover Publications, Inc. Dover Publications. My favorite public... The, <laughs> the, the best dinosaur tattoo publication in the world. So, with Kyle not being here, does that mean we get his sponsorship money? <laughs> yep, we get we get all the sponsorship money. Instead of oh. each of us getting a dollar, I get a dollar seventy-five, and you get a buck twenty-five. I think that's fair because I, did, I think that's I, fair. I, I did read it you, out. Your analysis is more thorough and spot on <laughs> compared to mine, so I'll, I'll give you the one seventy-five. Justin, I just predicted the Hurricanes are going to go three and zero with five power play goals in the next three games. Yeah, well, sometimes you have a bad day, but overall, <laughs> you're pretty solid. You no, know, who hasn't had a bad day, and you brought them up earlier. The Vegas Golden Knights. Yes. As I predicted, yes. they're doing pretty well. And if Kyle was here, he'd say, oh, the Corsi, the expected goals, they're overshooting at this point. Their shooting percentage is really high. And my response to that is, what's the record? 7-1. and one. The best start to an expansion. An, ex, an expansion. Uh, I think it's expansion franchise ever. Justin, from the Vegas Golden Knights to... All of the other surprises across the league was stood out to you in the NHL over the first 20 games or 20 days of the season? Yeah, uh, they look interesting. I think Kyle's going to think <laughs> we're dissing him or something because and we are. he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> we love Kyle. It's just Brett and, and Kyle and, and also myself have very different opinions about the Vegas Golden Knights. We have a um, feud going on, Kyle and I. <laughs> basically it's a behind the scenes thing but we we feel we need to be upfront about it um but no it they're they're doing well and it's great for the city as well especially with you know the things that did happen recently um so it's good that they kind of have something to rally behind um and vegas is performing i mean the it's not your ideal offense and defense and you know now you have two goaltenders that are hurt um but they're getting the job done and against good teams it's not like they're not playing you know, great competition. They just played Chicago. And they, they beat the Blues and the Blackhawks over the past yep, few days. They've, they beat the Blues and the Blackhawks. So it's it's not like they're playing, you know, the Colorado Avalanche or even the – uh, they did play the Arizona Coyotes. They played two against the Coyotes at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And they played Colorado on Friday. Ooh, so that should be a, good one. a DVR-type <laughs> matchup that you should definitely look into uh call your local cable provider and hopefully you'll be able to get it but yes happy for vegas just don't know if it's sustainable beyond the golden knights uh you know two atlantic teams who were playing back to back the hurricanes that is playing back to back lucky them tampa and toronto are both off to incredible starts uh i like tampa's sustainability a little bit more than toronto's at this point given, you know, Tampa's blue line and they have some, you know, they think they have Victor Hedman uh, on the blue line and Mikhail Sergachev has been fantastic. Beyond that, a few teams that are surprising so far, the Montreal Canadiens are still unable to score goals. The New York Rangers are also still unable to score goals. Justin's favorite team, the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> Who uh, all right, are off, all right? Are all right. To, <clears throat> to be fair, okay, I'm pretty fair. sure both of you also said that the Rangers would make the playoffs. When I was the only one that said they wouldn't, 
Okay. I want I want to bring that up. Yes, I made a pretty bad prediction about Arizona, but again, it's only a few games into the season. Who knows? Maybe they're the Disney team. They played nine games and they are yeah. not or oh eight and one with a minus eighteen hey, goal. It's all about those overtime losses. They they can get you somewhere. Um, no, but yeah, the Rangers are in, are not surprising. Uh, we kind of touched a, a little bit of, on it uh, in a previous podcast. They were on a downward turn. And it's only a matter of kind of keeping themselves together and hoping to stay competitive until Henrik Lundqvist, you know, kind of ages out and retires. Um, because, I, I mean, honestly, I don't see him going anywhere. Yes, we all know that Brodeur had that weird tour to St. Louis, um, but he'll, he'll probably be a New York Ranger for life, I would think. Um, but, yeah, they're just the offense isn't rolling. They're giving up weak goals. Uh, and ultimately, their record shows it. Montreal is also playing very poorly for reference Montreal is two six and one in nine games and the Rangers are two six and two in 10 games between them and the Canadians I think that they're a team that can bounce back Brady Shea has struggled a little bit um, early on in the year he's after his great rookie year he's clearly capable of a lot more than what he's doing right now um, Mika Zibanejad has been a great add for them he's been one of their only if not their only consistent source of offense early on so if, if there's one team that could bounce back, I, I'd say it's the Rangers. But I guess we'll see. Maybe not, neither team bounces back. And Elaine Vigneault being showed the door, he's definitely the number one hot seat coach right now. Um, but that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But before we go, Justin and I had a fun idea for, for this podcast. And we're probably going to do this every single week moving forward. EA Sports makes a hockey game every year. NHL 18 this year and when you play franchise mode in NHL 18 and really any other NHL game you get some pretty interesting trade offers so Justin what is the most surprising or just flat out worst trade offer that you've received over the past week in NHL 18 well it kind of always offers some interesting trades uh you and I have both been playing franchise since we got it I originally wrote an article on Kane's country about kind of like a review of it more or less but that was only five games into it and and now it's it's starting to get a little little weird but you know I, I love NHL games so I'm gonna keep playing it anyway but the weirdest trade I think I ever got was a second in a 59 overall prospect for Jonathan Huberdo did you accept it no, I didn't. Um, I also, the, the weirdest one I got was actually, it, it worked in my favor. Uh, I was on the Vancouver franchise and I had, um, I gave up Brandon Sutter, who I don't know if anyone knows this, but he's making like $4.3 million a year mm-hmm. to play on their third and sometimes fourth line. They they traded it for a fourth round pick, and you know a fourth round pick isn't exactly what you want if you're trying to build a franchise. But if you can get four point three seven off your uh, off your books for the next five years, I'd take that any day of the week. So that was the best trade of the week for me. Um, but yeah, the Jonathan Huberto one was very weird. Um, I was playing as the Hurricanes, and Noah Hannafin is a medium elite potential player in that game which means he will likely grow into a 90-plus overall player. Uh, Whether that's realistic or not, who am I to judge? The Boston Bruins, or I'm sorry, the New York Islanders, offered me Dennis Seidenberg, hurricane great, known for his squeaky skates, 
They offered me Seidenberg, who is mid-30s, and a second-round draft pick for Noah Hannafin. Wow. I actually have a Dennis Seidenberg story. Um, so in 2009, that, that playoff team that he was kind of a part of, um, and you know, there's some good players on there and stuff like that. So we, we uh, went to practice at Raleigh Center Ice. I passed right by him, didn't know who he was, didn't ask for his autograph, but I asked for everyone else's. So I think Dennis Seidenberg, you know, kind of knows that I have a slight towards him. I, I no disrespect if he's a listener of this podcast, but yeah, there's some weird trades for sure in NHL 18. We're going to keep playing um, and come back with some more weird ones next week. But I also want to leave you with this. Um, I think the St. Louis Blues offered me a fourth and a seventh for Dustin Bufflin. So that that was yeah that was that was another bad one. Okay, did you accept that one? No, nope. I thought about it for a okay, minute. Okay, I thought about it. That's fair. Okay. Um, but no, I'm I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we'll we'll come back next week with some more, and uh, we'll also come back with our good friend Kyle Morton as well. Yes. Um, but this was episode 13 of the Canes Country podcast, the Ray Whitney and Anthony Stewart version. And Jared Stahl. Yes, Jared Stahl. Who can ever forget that one game where the three of them played on the line? Two games. He played. Two oh, yeah, games. two. Sorry. Excuse yes. Me. <laughs> Jared Stahl. I know that he played down in the ECHL. Um, my mom and dad actually saw them play uh, the South Carolina Stingrays. I think he played with them for a little bit. My favorite professional hockey team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they draw big crowds. But no, they're actually a competitive team. They're a. Uh, Affiliate of the Capitals, I believe. Something like that. But anyway, this is episode 13 of the Canes Country Podcast. You can follow us at Canes Country on Twitter. Um, we got great stuff coming from there all the time. So definitely give us uh, you know, a follow. And uh, you can follow me at Lanky Lape um, on Twitter. I cover the checkers mainly for the Canes Country. And you can find me on Twitter at Brett Finger, B-R-E-T-T-F-I-N-G-E-R. I believe Kyle is K underscore Morton 9. Yes. Yeah. Next podcast, we're going to have to ask him the significance of the number 9 in his handle. Uh, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week.